You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And boy, is it nice to be back home in the Smoothie King Center as the uh, as your New Orleans Pelicans get a 107-98 win over the Chicago Bulls, snap that six-game losing streak. Ultimately, that's the most important thing here. But we'll recap the game. I'll tell you guys how they won this game, the good, the bad. It was nice to see this team play some winning ball again. There's some surprise contributors in this one as well. Then I want to take a look at the much-vaunted Three big lineup. I mentioned we'd take a look at this yesterday. The early returns, pretty good. Very small sample size, but we'll dive into those numbers and what they could mean and what we can maybe project from that lineup as well and catch up on some various things going on around the association overall. So a lot to cover in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So before I recap this game, if you're a new listener, thank you very much for tuning in. And if you've been with me at any point in time and stuck with me through everything, we've had some bad Pelicans years while doing this podcast and a good one last year, and we're off to a pretty good start this year. So thank you all for being here and making Locked On Pelicans part of your day. Please tell your friends, get them hooked on the Locked On Pelicans podcast. Come on, it's going to be a fun season. You want to have smart NBA basketball friends, and this is definitely the podcast to listen to to get you there if they're fans of the New Orleans Pelicans or if you're just trying to get them into the Pelicans in general. Let's build some excitement. So 107-98 win for your New Orleans Pelicans, snapping the six-game losing streak, uh, pulling their record back now to five and six, almost 500, which they should be able to get there on Saturday night. That's the next game upcoming. But just some much-needed home cooking here. Look, playing five games on the road is pretty rough. Playing five games against playoff teams on the road is pretty tough. They were out of town for a while. So I think when you look at it, it's not necessarily a surprise that they lost some of those games. And the things that were concerning when in that losing streak are things we figured would get fixed once Alfred Payton comes back, once Anthony Davis plays like Anthony Davis. And he did in this game, by the way. And you started to see them kind of claw back to normal and be the team we've kind of expected that they would be all year long. I think ultimately this team knows they're going to be good. They can make some noise in the playoffs. So they're not necessarily looking to try and, you know, uh, rush people back to get victories right now. Ultimately, they think they'll be just fine. And so they're playing it kind of safe when it comes to everything with Anthony Davis and Alfred Payton. By the way, Alfred Payton hopefully will be playing against the Suns on Saturday. So just getting a win, even if you don't look particularly dominant, is a good thing. And that's kind of what happened in this game last night. Again, a 107-98 win. So let's look at some of the numbers here and run down your Pelicans. Different starting lineup going into this one. Drew Holiday started. Etwan Moore started. Then you had Wesley Johnson playing that small forward role for the Pelicans. Nikola Mirotic and Anthony Davis out there. Holiday was excellent in this one. 17 points. 10 rebounds, 9 assists, 1 
assists shy of a triple-double. He was attacking the rim. He didn't shoot particularly well, but he knew he could get down low and score. He was 1 of 4 from 3, 6 of 16 from the field overall. Did finish with 4 turnovers, but he had 2 steals. And he had a great sequence late in the 4th quarter where he had um, an amazing block. Got the ball on a rebound and kind of had a put back off the glass uh, running layup after that. He was clutch and really carried the Pelicans down the stretch. That's because Anthony Davis looked a little bit shaken up after catching a hand to the face from Julius Randle, though he did go out there and finish the game. AD on the night, 37 minutes. He was 13 of 20, uh, 13 of 24 from the field, so a little over, almost 55%. Two of four from deep, that three-point shot starting to come back. Four of seven from the line. 15 rebounds, 7 assists, 4 turnovers, eh, not too great, 4 blocks, and 32 points on the night. He returned to his dominant self, the guy who apparently needs to be perfect to have teams his team win. AD came out and looked like AD again. His shot selection was significantly better than what we had seen over the past couple of games from him. He was looking to get into the paint and score. He took four total shots that are in that dumb zone, outside of the paint but inside the three-point line. Everything else was in the paint or from three-point range, and he was particularly dominant around the rim in the restricted area. Look, this is what he, how he should be playing, and it seems like his elbow was okay. He was wearing a different wrap that maybe had something to do with it. You know, you didn't see him shaking his elbow as much. And he even had a moment where he went up for a block against a Chicago Bull player, kind of did it clumsily and didn't time it too well, made contact, and then caused the foul, and then hit the ground hard. And you kind of came away from that being like, crap, he's going to get hurt. Like, this is going to happen. He seemed, okay, cut an, uh, a hand, elbow to the face from Julius Randle and a little bit of friendly fire there. Went straight to the locker room, came back out, and then checked right back into the game in his normal rotation. So it wasn't any big deal. He's five this one. Looks good. He's not even listed on the injury report anymore, which I think is a big thing. Each one more put up eight points on the night. He's solid even if if he's unspectacular. Miritich struggled in this one. We've been talking about how he can score in other ways, but he finished just 4 of 14 from the field. 1 of 8 from deep was not able to burn his former team. Did grab 15 rebounds, though, but the 9 points look a little bit disappointing. 4 turnovers from him as well. So, turnovers, still a bit of an issue. We'll touch on that in a minute. Wesley Johnson, though, played almost 24 minutes in this one. 5 of 7 from the field, 2 of 3 from deep. Four rebounds, two assists, zero turnovers. He finished with 12 points on the night. Look, if you can get that out of the wing position for the Pelicans for, from the small forward spot, getting 12 points, which is nothing great, that is awesome, and we should be celebrating, and we should be acting like it's Mardi Gras. That's how bad the wing depth here is in New Orleans and the lack of wing players that they really have that really give you anything. There's a reason that Solomon Hill did not play in this game at all, and that's because he's been really bad. The other wing depth, though, Darius Miller was 4 of 6 from the field, 3 of 4 from deep. He finished with 11 points on the night. He kind of just comes out, hits some, hits some shots, and that's really it. And he did it, and that's great, and we love it, and that was good. Ian Clark got the majority of the backup point guard minutes in this one. He was a little bit rough. 1 of 6 from the field overall, just 2 points on the night, Tim Frazier got eight minutes or so. He didn't finish with a bucket, was largely a non-factor. Though he did have a nice lob on AD for a reverse two-handed slam dunk putback. That was cool, I guess. Julius Randle, 12 points on the night, 
five rebounds, five assists. He did have two turnovers, but that's lower for him. He was kind of in that playmaking role, which is kind of nice to see. And he was kind of leading that second unit. Surprisingly solid performance from him. And when you look at the bench players, he was really one of the better ones in terms of plus minus. Going back to Anthony Davis and Biggs creating the offense, though, AD in the first half in particular really read this game well. And we're going to talk about that in the next segment. So before we get to all of that, though, if you're looking for a Twitter feed to follow during games, make sure you are following Locked On NBA Net. It retweets and kind of um, aggregates all of the different local hosts. It's great on a game night when there's a lot of action going on and you just kind of want to know the most important parts of games that you're not able to watch. You'll get the local hosts with their angle and their takes on everything. Same thing when there's breaking news around the NBA. You want to get different opinions? Follow Locked On NBA Net on Twitter. That's Locked On NBA Net on Twitter. It's going to retweet and aggregate all of our Locked On podcast hosts. It's an awesome feed if you're looking for just one thing. Highly recommend it. You see me in there too. I'm talking about the Pelicans as always, making sure they get out there. So again, make sure you follow Locked On NBA Net. So before I talk about Anthony Davis, I do want to say something that just came through from Alvin Gentry in the post-game um, press conference he gives and he said they're expecting likely likely that Alfred Payton will come back this Saturday against the Phoenix Suns when he makes his return he might be on a limited a little bit of a minutes restriction at that but that's a guess but Gentry then said that the team has discussed having Wesley Johnson in the starting lineup once Payton returns presumably meaning um, each one more is going to go to the second unit Johnson was okay. I'm not going to say good because it's 12 points in whatever time and he didn't show that in any of the other games that he's really played. And you've got to wonder how high he can keep that level of production up. But it's worth considering because we've talked about the depth of this team that they advertised themselves as a deep team. But we haven't really seen that depth outside of Julius Randle, who at times has been a little bit hit or miss. But having him alongside each one more, where you have both guys that can kind of create, where you do have Randall playing that point forward role and each one more who's handled, who's had a lot of the ball handling duties in this Pelicans offense these past couple of years, I think that certainly could work. And it gives you a little bit more depth there. It balances out the starting lineup with the bench unit and certainly could be a very good move. And I kind of expect that we're going to probably see this on Maybe not Saturday. Maybe you want to have each one more out there if you don't think Alfred Payton's ready for a full starting load minutes-wise. But maybe the game's after that, as they try and kind of settle on a starting lineup that kind of balances everything they're looking for. So look for Wesley Johnson after tonight's fairly impressive performance. I don't want to go too far with the hyperbole on this because, again, we've seen people do this. And, hell, Solomon Hill has even had double-digit games for this Pelicans team. But certainly played really well, and I think you've got to kind of see maybe where this Pelicans team wants to go with him. And they're going to give him every opportunity because they don't have wing options here. So you may as well see if he can kind of take the reins with this and run with it and then if not put each one more back into the starting lineup so some other random things as we kind of still recap this game new orleans 50 points in the paint chicago didn't have anyone that could really kind of defend the rim down low you had times when robin lopez was able to do it but he only plays you know 10 15 minutes per game so it didn't quite work and no one else really kind of scared you in this one zach levine they're kind of go everything score scored 22 points 
on 26 shots. Very inefficient night. Jabari Parker scored 20 points, took him 14. That's a little bit better. But at no point were you really worried about this Bulls team, even when they were making it close. New Orleans was in control of this from the start. And Chicago got it down to six to five at different times. The Pelicans were able to build their lead back up. They had the biggest of 18 on the night they were up by, and this ended up being a little bit closer in the end. New Orleans, though, didn't turn the ball over as much as they had been. They've been hitting close to 20 throughout these past couple of games. You didn't see that here. It was 15, only nine turnover points for the Chicago Bulls there, so they limited the damage. That's how inefficient and bad that Chicago offense has been. They didn't really play in the fast break because Chicago didn't turn the ball over like you would have liked to have seen it, but it was okay. This is why we said it's just kind of a ho-hum performance from the Pelicans. Nothing that really inspires a ton of confidence, but you're just kind of glad that they got it done in this one. The real nice number to see, though, and you have haven't seen this as much recently. 32 assists for the Pelicans on 42 makes. That's a very good percentage of assists to field goal makes ratio right there. And that was a big thing to see. 30 or 25 and above is kind of the number that you really want to see for a team that preaches ball movement, playing with um, pace and getting out there and running and passes and different things like that. You'd seen those numbers go down, but they were sharing the ball. They were passing around and it was very good to see. Anthony Davis, though, overall in the night, big performance from him, kind of snapping back into the player we all know. The number, though, that will jump out at you is seven assists in this one, and he was really trusting his teammates. At least in the first half, it kind of went away in the second half a little bit more. He read double teams so well, knew when to pass out of them and to play make off of that, using his court gravity to create open shots for his teammates and getting the ball to them. Uh, when they're open. The interesting thing he said to Jen Hale after the game was that, yeah, you know, he passed out to a lot of corner threes. Guys hit their shots. Pelicans don't take a lot of corner threes. They didn't make a lot of corner threes in this one either. I think they took basically one, two, three, four, four, five, maybe six corner threes. They usually come from above the break. They made two if you really want to look at it like that, and only one on the left side of the court. But... Getting that ball out of his hands when there's a double team kind of really hurts a defense. He was able to read that well. You saw him running a lot of point forward where he was initiating the offense and guys were cutting around him. More off-ball movement than we've seen in a while. When AD's on his game like this, this team can be very tough to stop, even if they're not having, say, the best shooting night or just the best offensive night overall, which then speaks to how important it is to have Alfred Payton on this team. So a little bit interesting to see from him kind of snapping back into the player that we all expected good he needs to be an MVP form for this team to really kind of throttle opponents and win big road games and you know at times when other guys aren't playing well you're dinged up it gets you a home win and he said it at the end of the day the only thing that mattered was getting back in the win column and the Pelicans certainly have done that after taking care of business against the Chicago Bulls so before we get to the big three lineup and the early returns on that, which, by the way, pretty good so far, do want to say the Saints kind of have a new addition that's a big deal. So if you want to know more about Des Bryant and how he's going to fit on this Saints team, as, by the way, they are number one in basically all of the power rankings right now, make sure you listen and subscribe to Locked on Saints with Ross Jackson. He's going to break it down. How's Des going to fit? Is he going to be a nuisance in the locker room, or is he going to be kind of a good soldier that goes along with what's happening here as the Saints really try and march towards the playoffs and potentially a Super Bowl? So make sure you listen and subscribe to Locked on Saints.
So the big three lineup, limited minutes for it so far, but it's something that people have kind of wanted to see and wanted to hear more about. And I think it's kind of time we've touched on it because we've seen it used sporadically over this past road trip, though actually we did not see it in last night's win over the Chicago Bulls. Maybe that's due to how Wesley Johnson was playing, but they didn't break it out at any point in time in that one. Um, and maybe, you know, you can only get so much of a sense from it when you don't have Alfred Payton out there with it. You presume that that lineup would be a team like Drew Holiday, Alfred Payton, Anthony Davis, Miritich, and Randall, or maybe, maybe each one more in there for Alfred Payton, but some combination of that. One of those two lineups is what it is. But we can boil it down to looking at the big three guys there, Anthony Davis, Miritich, and Randall, and how they've played. And I was kind of hoping we'd get to see it in last night's game, and then we didn't, which then kind of renders what my plan was a little bit moot. But we're going to look at it. So in six games, it's played only 16 minutes. So like the smallest of sample sizes is in effect here, and you've got to keep that in mind. But in those 16 minutes, the early returns are good. I have an offensive rating of 105, a defensive rating of 80. So not the best offense, I'd say. But that net rating is 25 even, which is very, very good. It plays with a pace of 117.58. So blindingly fast. So exactly the style of ball that the Pelicans want to play. It's got an offensive rebounding percentage. And these, this is where it kind of really surprises you. Of 14.3. So they're not going after offensive boards. But I guess if you're making your shots, you don't really need to. And then it's got a defensive rebounding percentage of 73.7. For an overall rebounding percentage of 48.5. Not great when it comes to the boards. You have to figure that having those three guys out there is really going to make life difficult for opponents. And trying to secure offensive boards or defensive boards. But they're not rebounding particularly well. Number that does jump out is they have a 10% turnover rate. So they're turning the ball over one out of every 10 possessions. Very, very good. That would be the tops in the league by far. So they're an efficient and effective offense. The defense is still there too because they're only allowing 80 points per 100 possessions. They're just not rebounding well. So then you can kind of expand it out to see what it looks like, say, with like a four-man lineup or a five-man lineup because you really do want to look like, uh, not look like, look at what it looks like with Drew Holiday in there. And the numbers are still good and likely more realistic to what it is. So Drew Holiday, Miritich, Davis, and Randall, 16 minutes as well. So they have an offensive rating of 110.5, so much better. A defensive rating of 84.2, not as good as the other one, but still very good. For a net rating of 26.3. The same type of rebounding numbers there. And the turnover percentage is just 10.5. So still very, very good. That plays with a pace of 111.7, likely a more realistic number for this New Orleans Pelicans team. Then if you really want to kind of get out into it a little bit more, let's look at Drew Holiday, each one more, and the three bigs. We've seen that in nine minutes of action over two games. Offensive rating of 126.3, so close to the number the Pelicans were putting up, or better than it maybe, to start the year on their four-game winning streak. A defensive rating of 100, which is excellent. Net rating of 26.3. An offensive rebounding percentage of 40%. They're grabbing 40% of their own misses. That's contributing to that wildly high offensive rating. The, uh, the defensive rebounding number, not so good. 62.5 
But keep in mind that when the Warriors broke out that death lineup for the first time and then kind of added to it by replacing Harrison Barnes with Kevin Durant, they were never good at rebounding with that death lineup, which is kind of what this lineup is striving to kind of mirror a little bit or emulate. Turnover percentage, just 10.5 there too. It's got a pace though that's much slower of just 100.57. So I don't know if that's necessarily the style they want to do. That pace is also going to be lower because of the high percentage of offensive rebounds there. So keep that in mind too. That pace number is not necessarily the most accurate or representative of what that lineup's doing. So small sample size, but the early returns in terms of the numbers are very good. And you've seen it when they're out there playing with those three guys. And you could almost sub AD out for Diallo in there too um, to try and get a better sense of how it might play or how often they're using it because of the games that AD set out. And we saw a three-big lineup out there with Diallo in, in AD's place. Though, uh, I mean, you're not going to get much from it because it's Diallo and he just has not been that good. But certainly it's starting to look like a really good lineup at times. And it's worth kind of monitoring going forward. You can't use that very often. You're going to get this in limited minutes per game. But the goal would be when you do have that lineup out there, they really punish opponents. You also might see them close with that lineup depending on other on matchups and other teams too. You're going to have some trouble on the perimeter. If you play a, a traditional three and a stretch four that is going to play out on the perimeter, two of those bigs need to kind of be out there. That's a bit of a problem though. All three can do it. AD is probably the best at defending at the perimeter, followed by Randall, maybe, that they still are going to get burned from time to time and that defensive rating wouldn't look nearly as good. So it's got to be kind of lineup, matchup dependent. I don't know if you can necessarily use that to dictate and force other teams to counter you or if you use it to counter them because there's a very good chance that it would get burned, particularly if it's not rebounding well. If that team or that lineup is grabbing defensive boards, you can play that against most people. But because you're pulling guys out to the perimeter and you have two of your bigs out there on the perimeter, you have one big kind of down low doing those rebounds. So it becomes a little bit more difficult. And I think that's one of the reasons why you see those defensive rebounding numbers not be as good as they could be. But again, it's small sample size we don't really know but that's kind of how it's being used right now in very limited minutes that seems to be the plan going forward and it's worth monitoring to see if this can become the pelicans version of the death lineup so rest assured that's something we're going to be covering here as the season progresses on locked on pelicans all right that's going to do it for this edition of locked on pelicans thank you all for listening we got one more podcast tomorrow we'll preview the game against the suns talk about anything else you all want to know about this pelicans team as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.